This episode of The Bag Drop, Untold Stories in Golf, is brought to you by Half Day. If you played in the Stinger, our annual member guest, you may remember the Half Day CBD Closest to the Pin Hickory Challenge. Now, through the link in our show notes, you can visit their full line of hemp-derived CBD products, and with the use of the promo code NEWCLUB15, you'll receive an additional 15% off your first order. I'll be back a little later in the show to share my personal experiences with Half Day. And if you're curious about the benefits of CBD for yourself, I encourage you guys to check them out. Chandler Goodman, welcome to the bag drop. Thanks, man. I'm happy to be here. It's good to see you and good to be with you. Um, so let's get this thing started. We're on Zoom. Okay. And, yeah. and we, we've already talked about our distaste of, of how our lives have been dominated by yeah. this, this software right now. But your name came up as Sheburger. So let's yeah. start with yeah. what is, who, who and what is, is Sheburger? Uh, oh, man. I can't believe that, that that's how I'm uh, – I'm glad I don't use this thing. Uh, my, I'm dialing in on Zoom on my phone, which I never use. I always use my computer. And I did not realize it was come up with that means that last time I, I did this was uh, a high school Zoom call. Sheburger is a nickname from middle school, um, which I, I mean, the derivation, it was basically, uh, it, it w- they basically started calling me, um, I, it, like they took C for Chandler, turned it into uh, cheeseburger and cheeseburger over time became Sheburger or burger. And now pretty much a, uh, most of my buddies from high school still call me Sheburger or Burger or some derivation of that. So I, I must have dialed in on a uh, high school buddy Zoom call a few weeks ago and didn't realize that's a good note to self. Don't dial into a work call from my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Burger, can I, can I address Mr. you? Mr. Mr. Burger is my formal name. That's what our that's what our friend's parents call me. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, it's it's great. I it made me made me chuckle. We, I think we've all had our snafus on on yeah. Zoom in the last six or seven months. I uh, thought that because Chris, Chris Bozier knows that that's my high school nickname. He he recently learned that from our our uh, fellow new club guy Brian Mullen, who always calls me Sheburger. And so I was like, did Bozier out me to Considine? Is my name like did did he tell him ahead of this? Like, did you do some like intel gathering on me? But I outed myself through the uh, the name. He would have if I would have given him the opportunity. Oh, he absolutely for sure. would have. Uh, for sure, I was like, oh, okay. I now I know where that comes from. You're a uh, fellow North Northeast Ohioan, fellow Chicagoan now, yes. and, and a fellow Northeast Ohioan. You're one of the. I don't know if you know this, but you're one of um, the first people I I hung out with. Uh, in my first month or so moving the city, I only had like one high school buddy that was living here, one college yep. buddy, didn't know a lot of people, but that one friend was a mutual friend of ours named Jeff Heisler. Yep. Yep. And, he, and he said, Hey, I'm going to a pal's comedy show. Uh, he's from Cleveland, which right away, if you're in Ohio, when yep. you're like, okay, he's got to be good he's salt got- of the earth. Good people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, good, yep. you know, bit, bit, been a loser has, has been through the tough <laughs> seasons already like the guy. Uh, yep. and, and I, I went to your show, man, and I laughed my ass off. That's and, awesome. And we got to hang out with you afterwards. And that was yeah. so long ago. Uh, it is so long. I was thinking back. I mean, that must've been 2000. What year did you move here? Oh, eight, oh nine. Oh eight. Yeah. Oh eight. That's what I, fi- I figured. It must've been like 2008 ish. I mean, I, I guess I remember meeting you 
um, watching Browns games, I think. Um, I guess it must have been at Vaughn's and stuff. That's what, and so, yeah, and that, but I do remember you guys coming to the shows. I mean, yeah, and we do have, like, you know, High Store was a great buddy, is a great buddy. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it's when I was thinking about this before down there, I was like, man, that is like, we, we go back more than a decade now. I think it's awesome that, uh, and this has happened a couple of times with me in new club is that golf has, you know, reintroduced people in my life. It's not that, you know, each other, we'd totally say what's up. We'd, we'd, you know, have a beer if we could, it wasn't COVID, you know, central out there, but golf gives us a reason to kind of hang out again. And I, absolutely great. Yeah. And, And I mean, new club in particular, like I, I mean, because I think I mean you and I go back a, a long way that way. But then I, I had seen I had just picked golf back up not long before you guys started this, um, and you and then I think I saw I think I saw on your LinkedIn that you had started this, and I was like this, this like solves. I think I'd been playing golf again for about a year at that point, and I was like when I when I read up on what you were doing, I was like this is like the exact solve to every golf issue I'm now facing now that I've got the itch again. So golf definitely <laughs> brought us back together. New club really helped hugely bring me back to golf. So, um, yeah, man, it's been what a an full endorsement. Circle. It's it. So you, 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 does that mean you're just striping it? Like new club fixed your slice. <laughs> Are we going to make this like an infomercial? <laughs> I can't tell anybody that new club will definitely make you better at golf, but it'll <laughs> definitely make you want to play more golf. For sure. Yeah, no, that's, I, I even, I had a tough golf week last week and, and I was just like, I was done and I wasn't playing new club golf. I had a couple of tournaments yeah. um, and, and I was like, I am done. You know, yeah. like as in my years, yeah. I, I really was, yeah. I was super negative. And then I started, yeah. I got back into slack and I saw some chats and I'm like, all right, no, this is so, golf. Yeah. Like, this is golf. This is fun. You know, yes, we're going to compete, but we're still going to have a good time. Like I've, I'm all back in. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's how, I, I, I think I've played some of the best rounds of my life in new club. And I've played some of the worst rounds of my life in new club. And b- both of them have given me an itch to play more golf. So yeah, man, it, it's, uh, it's been a long, long road since we would have met in like Oh nine at that point or Oh eight, I would have been playing basically no golf at that point. Now, uh, now we're reunited here and I'm, I'm playing as much, as much golf as I've ever played in my life. Well, I, I love hearing your your rekindling i think uh new club members do fall into usually one of two camps it's like people that grew up playing the golf totally into it they fall out of love with it or they just fall away from it yeah they're getting back into it i think you and i both hit that uh, that description and then there's the folks that never really had the deeper uh connection with golf or never really got into it or maybe they played basketball or football or whatever the thing was and this is like their first go at really trying to to just get in the game and play a little bit more yeah um, and so I, I always find that really interesting, but why don't we start with, uh, your, your golf origin. So yeah, like, who, sure. who introduced you to the game? You're a kid, yeah. you know, growing up watching the Indians win, the Browns yeah. leave, the Cavs <laughs> lose, like what, what got you into golf? Yeah. So I think, I mean, so I'm definitely like you, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm like three cuts below three, three cuts below being a cut below you in terms of the caliber of golf I've ever played. But I'm, I am, I do have a lifelong history with golf, relationship with golf. So I'd say, uh, as I had a good foundation, I played, a, I played a little bit of golf as a little, little kid. Like, you know, my parents were a member, were members of a club 
in Cleveland, which was nice because it gave me like a little background in golf. So for me, it was like five to 15. I, I took, you know, I took a handful of lessons, would go to like summer camps, play a bit here, play like little junior. T- I, w- I was not one of these, like I was not a hardcore junior golfer by any means. I played every sport under the sun. I was playing baseball, football, basketball, but I, I did play. Uh, I liked golf. I played a good amount of golf on the side, like with my dad a bit. My dad kind of liked golf. He's not like a golf obsessive, but uh, played a little. And then what I'd say is two things really happened to me that got me deep into golf. The, the, my first like run of being deep into golf, which was at like at 14, like in eighth grade, I started, my dad insisted I get a summer job. So I got a job caddying, which I think is a, for a lot of people is how they get, go deep into golf for the first time. So I was, I was caddying. It's no longer a golf club. Unfortunately, it's, it was called the Oakwood club in Cleveland Heights, Ohio. Um, great crafty little old Donald Ross course. Um, uh, and so I like, you know, I spent the next basically parts of the next nine summers from the summer after my eighth grade year through college in college, I, I would just caddy the weekends, but in high school, that was my, my full-time summer job. So I just spent a ton of time around a golf course. I I've always been a sports fanatic. Um, and so I just love being around a golf course. I loved watching golfers play. I really love catting matches in particular, I, I got in with a group of guys, about eight guys who had standing tea times on Saturdays and Sunday mornings, caddied for them all the time, got to know them really well and their games really well, and just like really thrived on their own little internal competitions. And then at about that same time, I, I, I maxed out my own potential in all other sports. Like I, I like <laughs> literally freshman year of high school I went from like but between sixth grade and freshman year of high school I went from like being a very good athlete to done playing sports <laughs> like like I completely maxed out baseball football basketball I um and ended up not and so ninth grade was the last year I played any other organized sport and then I so I went to a high school where we um university school in Cleveland where we both have a bunch of common friends um and they had this requirement that you had to do some kind of of sports activity every every quarter during the school year. And so the fall and spring, I somehow like bamboozled them into letting me do what I we called quote independent golf. And so all I had to do was go play nine holes three times a week and get the assistant pro at the club to sign my scorecard to say that I'd been out there and played some golf which like unbelievable. Right. And so, um, my parents were members at this great old golf course. I don't know if you, you've ever played Kirtland country club oh, yeah. outside of Cleveland. Fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. it's great, great. I mean, just truly like one of, I, I think just like, of course I could never get tired playing and as, as one of the most, uh, what do you, what do you want? It's like the, the drastic change when you get to the 10th tee is yes. like, Whoa, where am I? I'm in Narnia like, all, of a, all of a sudden. T- totally dude. I mean, the front nine is like a very good solid kind of country club front nine. And then the back nine is just like you enter the Lord of the Rings or something. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's in, like in Cleveland. You just wouldn't expect it. It's crazy. And so I was like, this is heaven. And like, and the, so then I really got in the itch cause I was caddying all the time and I was playing all the time. And I was like, I, I love this. Um, went to college it was again, you know, I was a, an okay golfer, but we had a great old, I went to Colgate university, upstate New York, 
we had this great old um, golf course that was actually Robert Trent Jones Sr. His, his, my understanding is it was his, his dissertation at Cornell's like horticulture school or landscape design school. They already had a course. So he, Colgate's about 45 minutes away. He designed our course as his like dissertation from the landscape design school. So we have this really cool old course. It was like, you know, 150 bucks to all you could golf for the semester for students. And so, you know, my fraternity of brothers and I, we would play, we played a lot of golf and we played a lot. And, uh, yeah, so it was just like, I, and so it was just like that, that was kind of my journey and, um, moved to Chicago and then kind of stopped cold Turkey, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons we, you know, we can get into, but, um, to, to started doing comedy, which has been my kind of like my main non-professional pursuit for the last 10 years and was, didn't have a car. And so I just kind of quit cold Turkey until 2015 and now, you know, so got back into it and here we are. That's, and I want to get, uh, we'll, we'll pick back up on okay. the re-entry to golf. <laughs> the re-entry, I, yeah. I, I really think a lot of people relate to that. And I do want to talk about that. But prior to that, I mean, comedy. So, yeah. so me personally, I, I, this is probably my number one hobby outside of, uh, of golf is just yep. being a fan of comedy. You know, I look yep. at what I watch and it's That's a lot awesome. of Netflix stand up. If I look at what I go, want to go do, you know, with my, my wife on a date night, it's go to an improv show and it's always yeah. kind of it. And, and I dabbled in it, but I, I just have so much admiration for the people that do it. Do um, it yeah. And I'm, I'm, I guess it's the same type of question. Like what's your yeah. origin story with, with comedy like did you know as a high school kid as a middle school kid that you kind of wanted to do this a little bit you know more more into it more deeper yeah the comedy scene um yeah i mean so yes and no i would say like i i definitely always had a creative itch as a kid i wouldn't have said that i thought i would go into comedy the way that i have but like at at in high school i like i did quite a bit of like independent writing i started like a little independent kind of like I would almost call it like a comedy sports paper that was sat at our high school. Like I did it for fun on the side and thought it would be good for my college resume and stuff like that. But so I wasn't like, I was sitting there thinking like someday I'm going to write for McSweeney's or someday I want to write comedy pieces for the New Yorker. or I want to do like funny or die or, or whatever it is. I think that was not a conscious thought, but I did have the itch to do creative stuff um, starting in high school. And then I got to college and I did, I did a lot of creative writing as a minor. And so I was writing, you know, short stories and not necessarily explicitly with a humorous bent, but I was definitely drawn to, to like humorous creative stuff. And, you know, I liked making, I definitely always liked people, you know, I think all comedy people, we've got kind of like a, sickness where it's like you you know you've got this itch to make people laugh and get that call and response of like i am you know like it 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 feeds you in some way and i definitely fairly conscientiously knew that and then i then i moved to chicago for a job um not relating to comedy just uh you know had picked chicago on the map a couple buddies of mine from high school who were all over the country we'd kind of said like we're gonna all go to chicago we're gonna all get jobs and that's where we're gonna live after college um did that i was uh, so moved here. And then like within like a few months of living here, you know, you kind of have those post college blues where you're like, man, adult life is not 
as fun as I thought it was going to be, you know? Who, who's this like, guy asking for my rent, you know? Like, right, like the, who, this dude's asking for my rent and like work is five days a week with no summer break. And like the, these meetings were like, I, I do a lot of grunt work. I didn't really realize I'd be doing at my job. And you're just like, oh man, this is a, this is a real come down from college. <laughs> yeah. And I was definitely feeling that hard and went to Second City um, you know, knowing a little about it, but not knowing a ton about it, to be honest, and watched the second city show and was just like mind blown, like truly life changing experience, like mesmerized still. I, I mean, I can still see the show in my mind, uh, like the, the people who were in the show, many of whom I now know, like are still mythical to me, even, you know, even though like they should be like demysticized. I like, I, I just had this like mesmerizing experience and could not get enough. And everybody I was with, we all had a great time, you know, went to old town ale house afterwards. Everybody's like, you know, can you believe how good that was? We're all like having a great time, but like they shook it off the next morning. Like I woke up just as mesmerized the next morning as I had been the night before. And I just started going all the time. Um, like, like at least like probably once a month and then more often, and there's a free improv set at the end of most Second City shows that, um, that I started. We lived in Old Town at the time, and I would start going just by myself for the improv set. And I was like, man, I cannot shake this itch. Like, this feels like something that it's important that I, like, do something with. And so I, uh, I did what they all say, which was like, hey, if you like this try, and you want to try it, try it. And, like, so I, I took a – I started by doing some writing classes at Second City. And, um, I, I, I got the itch in an enormous way, built up the courage. I'd never performed anything in my life. And eventually I had a writing teacher at Second City who was like, listen, man, if you, if you like this, you either need to move to LA and try to become a TV writer, or you got to like, look, get over it and try to do improv because that's, this is Chicago and there's no such thing as just a writer. And so I like, I swallowed hard, got on stage, did improv. And uh, I remember like uh, a teacher at the time when we were doing like a student show, you know, I had, I'd had, a, uh, I'd definitely gotten a couple pops during the show. And afterwards I was like drunk on my own laughs at the ale house. And the teacher was like, he, he was like, dude, you will never shake this. I can tell you've got like, you've got it in your eyes that like, this is something that you, you are going to be doing a lot of in the future because now you got to feed it. And I have, so I've, so I've, I went deep into comedy world. You know, I've always worked a day job, but I, I was, I've done probably a hundred to 150 shows for the last 10 years. Um, pretty steadily at mostly now at IO. Um, and met my wife that way. My wife's a performer for the second city national touring company. So, um, she's like a pillar of the comedy community here. And, you know, that's that's kind of been my my story. When, when you go in deep, and you still have to, you know, the guy's still knocking for rent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you're because I, I felt this a little, and I think we've all felt this in in different. Well, maybe not as much as what improv generates in terms of excitement and yeah. that energy. It's it it can be so addictive. I think, and I I felt yeah. it. I mean, um, I guess what I'm, I want to know is how do you balance the the day gig with you know late nights and and the high of of coming off the yeah. stage and then having to rewrite right. whatever you're working on next like 
what was that like in the in the early days? I'm sure it gets easier, but it does get easier. It was rough in the early days. I mean, you know, I did all I could to hang in there. It was definitely not good. I, it, it's definitely was because, as you said, I mean, it was all consuming. Like, I mean, I would do work. I've always traveled a lot for work too, which made, was hard with comedy. I eventually actually, because um, I I worked for a consulting firm at the time, I was traveling a lot. I eventually had to work with my office to basically say, like, listen, if I can, if I. I either got to go get a new job or I got to be like reducing my travel because I'm, I'm like, I can't, I'm too deep in this comedy thing to be gone three or four nights a week. Um, a lot of weeks on end, but it was like, you know, I basically 6 PM to 1 AM was just kind of bouncing around comedy theaters, either performing myself or seeing shows or just kind of living that life deep. And then, you know, I was, you know, it, it, it's, it's definitely hard, hard on the body because you're like drinking beers and eating bad pizza and watching and doing comedy all night and then getting up at eight and dragging into the office by nine fifteen and trying to just hang in there and keep your head above water. So <laughs> probably, uh, I, I mean, those years from like, for me, like 20, 2009 to 2015, which at that point you're really paying your dues here. So you're not getting great performing slots like I was mostly performing at 10 p.m on Wednesday nights 10 p.m on Thursday nights um and you're definitely it's it's hard on the body definitely I probably put on about uh let's say the comedy 40 during the, that time um you know and like it, it puts a strain on on some things but I would not trade those years and then and then it got easier around 15 I I at that point had like really put in paid a lot of dues in the comedy world here and started to get more could could manage it where I could uh perform more on the weekends or early hours so it's gotten a little more manageable in the last few years which is partly what's made it possible to go back to golf but yeah for those first like five years you're in it you're just you're you're it's just all consuming is I I feel like and we had Bill Colbert on your yep. uh, Sunrise Stable for partner. Yeah, uh, my recently, my pal, your bud, and he talked about dabbling in improv. He tried to mm-hmm. steal your thunder talking about yeah. the comedy scene in Chicago. But uh, and and I shared this with him, which I think a lot of people I've shared this with in the past that knew they know I love going to improv shows. They know I, I yeah. am a fan of comedy, and they find out that I I you know tried it and I quit it, and they're like, well, why why'd you quit? I go, I was trying to work a very, you know, a real corporate job. Right. Yeah. And I would get off, you know, on those little, we're talking like one-on-one, two-on-one class yeah, right. stages. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, maybe we'd finish up at 10, 11 o'clock, you right. get yeah. beers with everybody. I didn't sleep some nights. Right. I was so jacked up on this high. Yeah. Yeah. Of, that's, of my that own, was like me. you said, my own last, I couldn't believe it. And, and then the next day I'm just worthless. <laughs> right. Yeah. I had a lot of worthless days of, I've had, I've had a lot of worthless days at the office that have resulted in like a lot of scrambling on the back end. Um, for sure. That, I mean, that is the hard part and very few people in the comedy world have corporate jobs. Yeah. And, and I think uh, now I, now I know why, but I think also, uh, it, it that, that, um, the high, the rush of, of all of it, like, does that yep. get less over time? Do you know how, to, or do you just start managing it more? Um, I think it does diminish a little over time. I mean, I, though I, I can definitely relate to what you said of those nights that were just completely sleepless where you are so jacked up that like nothing can bring you down. Like you couldn't go to sleep if you tried. 
Um, I have, uh, I have way fewer of those kind, almost no, no nights like that anymore. I mean, something exceptional could happen, but it would have to be really unusual for me to, to be that jazzed on a show at this point. But the other good part is that I also am much better licking my wounds now, especially doing improv. Well, improv and sketch, which are the two forms of comedy that I really do. Um, you know, you used to take your lumps and feel those bad shows so hard, you know, where it was like, oh man, like you, like you really do develop some thick skin. And so I'm, I'm better at shaking off the really rough ones now. And I'm all, but also the high is definitely diminished, which is probably good. Like I can walk out of it. I can walk out of a show, whether it's licking my wounds or like, you know, feeling like, you know, a comedy God, I can shake, I shake both off within about 15, 20 minutes now, which is a good thing. <laughs> I think, I think even when you're, when you're new to improv, and this is, I'm trying to, to think at that time, what it felt like, like, it wasn't like they were good jokes. It was almost like you survived and you did yeah, it. Yeah, you survived. And, and it was kind of funny, you know, like it wasn't, yeah, like it was right. funny, but you did it and you felt like, oh right. my gosh, what did I just overcome? You know, those, those anxieties and the fear of being on stage and, um, it's a really great thing, I think, for for people. Like we talk about golf being, you know, metaphor yeah. for life. I think improv could so fit right into that meta. You know, you could subtract golf and add improv into a lot of those analogies because uh, it really uh, it's so human. It's such a human yeah. interaction. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge part of the value. No matter what, whether you have like whether you have a natural facility for improv or not, the ability to learn that you can fail at something that's really hard in front of others and that they'll, their opinion of you will not be like inalterably um, will not be altered in like in, in some kind of permanent way. Like you, you just fail at it and you survive. You like walk back out in the crowd and you, they kind of look at you and they don't think less of you as a person for the most part. And you don't, <laughs> we're, talk, we're talking about if, golf, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it does. It's so similar. Like, you, you like you play bad i used to because as a kid as i said so as a kid i would play these sometimes we do like these inner club tournaments um golf wise and i would you know I, I would play bad and i'd shoot 102 and i would seriously think like oh i would feel humiliated you know like and i was like who now looking back i'm like why did i feel so humiliated like what a stupid thing to feel humiliated about that me, I was never a very competitive golfer. I was not like you. I was not on the track to play really good high school golf. I never played high school golf. I was not on track to play in college. I definitely was not on tra- track to make my living playing golf. Like, why would I feel em- embarrassed that I shot 102 in the 2002 uh, interclub tournament at, at Mayfield Country Club in Cleveland? You know, I mean, like, but at the time I would like, I would go to the, go to my car and be like, Oh my God, like, I don't want to show my face again. Um, and it's funny. I've had a harder time in my life shaking off. Now I have a harder time shaking off the frustration and humiliation of golf than I do of improv, which golf <laughs> improv terrifies people. Improv no longer terrifies oh, yeah. me in the, in the least golf, ter- golf still sometimes terrifies me. <laughs> Well, not enough to keep you away for good. No, so so no. when when you made that jump back into it, what was it? Your schedule opened up a little bit. Um, you, new club was a thing, obviously, that yeah. gave you a reason to play. But what, what was it that got you into it? 
so back, what back happened in- was is like so I left the consulting firm that I was working at in 2015 and I started a job in-house for a pharmaceutical company in the suburbs in Chicago and Deerfield so I had to get a car for the first time and as I said around that time that was kind of when I was like settling down comedy wise I really was in like I had kind of a I had gotten to the point where I was performing in slots that made me feel like I didn't feel like I needed to show my face in the theater seven nights a week anymore to like kind of earn my dues. I, I was performing much steadier, mostly on the weekends. And so it was just a much more manageable thing. Comedy wise. I had a car. Now I had more money. I was working out in the suburbs and right across the street from the office park where my office was, was the Deerfield golf club. If anyone's ever played there, um, which is a, just a nice solid municipal owned track, but the traffic would be so bad going back into the city that in the summer I started being like, Oh man, you know, I should just like, I still had these, I still had my golf clubs. I would probably play once a summer, like at bachelor parties or something like that. And I was like, I'm just going to throw these golf clubs in the bag back and see if maybe from five 30 to seven 30, I can kill time to, to wait out the traffic by playing nine holes at this course across the street. And I mean, you, like you, cause I think you drifted from golf a little bit for a while. Right. It, like within a couple months, oh, yeah. like it took me hitting like one stiff four iron to be like, oh yeah, I forgot, <laughs> I forgot that yeah, well, I'm that actually obsessed like. with this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I forgot I'm actually obsessed with this, and I need to do this every week and second of the day. Yeah. Um, and so that was like summer, maybe a 2015 ish. Is I started like I started, you know, it would, went from like once a week I'd run over there and maybe play nine or race around the court to course to wait out traffic to like two twice a week to like any time I could. Um, and then I think I did that for kind of a whole summer. And then the, the maybe the year after I, I some, it, the timeline's a little foggy for me, but um, yeah. And then new club came up. So I, I started playing a lot, but I was almost only playing after work on the week. I didn't have a lot of buddies. I've, this may shock people. Not a lot of people in the comedy community play a ton of golf. So come on. I, hey, come on. Right. I know. So, uh, I didn't have like, I did, wasn't playing on weekends. I was really mostly just playing by myself after work. Um, and then kind of a, a bunch of things happened. My buddy, Brian Mullen, who's in new club moved back to Chicago around that time. He's a, he, he was always a huge golfer. Um, we grew up together. And so then I, for the first time I had somebody who actually wanted to play on the weekend with me, which was nice that, that, so then I started playing on the weekend as well as after work. And then new club started and that once new club started, then I was like, not now it was like, I'm all in. Now I don't have to organize games. I'm playing with guys I, who I really like, even if I don't know them, um, playing all over the city and like, you know, getting access to different cool courses. And it was like, now, now wind was in the sales. Did score play into this at all? So like there's, there's, um, you know, in comedy, I'm sure you get the, the benefit of laughter, you know, as, yep. as your reward. Uh, what was your reward in golf? You know, as you were picking it back up, did you think about, you know, how you used to play then? Did it, did it yeah. matter to you? Was it really just the sensation of, you know, that four iron in the center yeah. of the club face? Like, what, what, did, did that play in at all? Yeah, no, I've always been pretty score conscious. I think growing up caddying, like maybe that, like gave me a sense of that. That uh, So I, so when I, when I was at my peak playing golf, in high school and college breaking 80 was always the thing that I, you know, I, that I wanted to do. That was always the number. And when I got back to golf, that definitely was not in the cards at all. 
but I got to a point, I definitely, I, I, I got to a point fairly quickly where I was at least playing kind of in the range of bogey golf, like maybe in that first summer. And so I have, I've always been like, so there's two things I did in round score. One was like, I fairly quickly wanted to get back to the point where I could try to break 80. And then the other thing was I started, I'm, I keep these annual smart goals. If people know what those are, it's like a, it's an insanely corporate way of setting goals, but I actually find it crazy useful for my personal life. I started setting a goal of making a certain number of birdies a year because I was like, you know what? Score wise, you can always make a birdie in a bad round. And if you make a birdie and that goes to the count towards your goal. So my thing was, my thing is still to try to make for me. Now you make this in like two weeks, which is insane to me. But my thing is to try to make 30 birdies a summer. And um, DJ, so that's been, DJ knocked that out in Boston dude, in a week. <laughs> dude, you, you knocked that out in like half a round no, recently. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, I know DJ did literally put literally a, in a week, literally <laughs> four rounds actually. <laughs> yeah, literally in a weekend, which is it's insane, well, insane. But yes, Ed is a really cool goal, and I I, I commend that man. I mean, that's um. I like elements of, of score that are related to that, where it's not just your traditional eight, yeah. 79 good, 81 bad. You know what I mean? Right. And the other thing that I think is good about that is like, I struggle being aggressive on a golf course. Like my inclination is like, I play like real old man golf. I like, I slap and bump this thing around. And like my, I have buddies from college, especially like sometimes we'll travel and do buddy golf trips and whatever. And they're just like, dude, you are too young to be laying up from 220 so that you can like slap away. Like they were like, pull out a wood and try <laughs> to hit this onto the green. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I kind of just want to play for five from here. They're like, you're 34 years old. Like, what are you trying? Why are you trying to just play for bogey from here? <laughs> like, so the good thing about, I say that because the good thing about that see, goal. This is, I want to bring up this commercial. Like, what that reminds me of is, and I can't remember the manufacturer. It was probably, just one of the big OEMs, but there's this, there's this old man that's, that's swinging at a swing speed of like four miles yeah, per right. hour. And there's a young guy that just ripping drivers and, and there's, they're uh, yelling back the yardages and they look yeah. back at, this is like, this is from like the early two thousands, but me okay. and me and another new club guy, Rob Kevill just crack up every time we say it to each other. Um, but but he, he takes this, uh, you know, little wipey swing and and the guy yells back, you know, 150. And then he turns to the guy right next to me and goes, right down the middle. Right down the middle. That, dude, that's me. That's you. I'm like, that's you. I am slapping the ball down the middle. I'm trying to slap the ball down the middle. And, like, it is so true. But I, I, I'm trying to be more aggressive. So the birdie thing is good because it, it tries to force me to be like, no, take this on or, or try to take on the pin or try to push it on the par five to get it to – you know, I'm, I don't get onto a lot of par fives and two, but it, it makes me take a shot at trying to get it to, I have like, you know, a flip wedge instead of laying up to 135 yards. So it's, it is, it's good for my, my golf aggressiveness so that I can enjoy what's left of my youth. Um, <laughs> since I have, I have a lifetime to, to lay up to 150. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, that's fantastic. It's sad, uh, is what it is. The you we talk a lot about the people that you know introduce us to the game and get us back in. Yeah, you mentioned some new club guys, Brian Mullen, um, yep. and some others that. But it's golf is really cool in that 
there's that pay it forward type of mentality to it as well. For sure. Where yep. they, that you are, as I, I think you mentioned earlier, you're bringing yep. some of the, the comedy folks yeah. into golf. Is that right? Yeah. I have a couple buddies, one, uh, one in particular who like, you know, so golf, like, as we talked about comedy is like this all consuming thing. And I think several of my buddies, um, we like kind of got to this decade point where we'd been doing comedy. I mean, five, six nights a week, as you said, like, you know, all hours of the day. Um, so you work a job till 6 PM and then you go and you like, you know, eat dinner on your way to a theater you watch a show, you do a show, you sit at the bar and talk about the shows, you go home, you're a little buzzed, you're high on the night, you fall asleep at 1.30, you get up the next day and kind of do it all over again. And so there is definitely a fatigue point that sets in. So I have one buddy in particular, but a handful of others who um, I think around like maybe two years ago, we're starting to feel like I got to find something outside of comedy. Like we, you know, we've kind of paid our dues, we set ourselves up like, and I was playing a lot of golf at that point. And I was like, you know, I was starting to like, you know, I think they could tell that I was loving it. Um, it's a great walk. I was getting steps in, which comedians don't get steps in. Like, you know, like, like, you know I was like getting, getting a nice little workout here in my bag. I was dropping some pounds. Like, and so I have one buddy in particular was like this thing. I think that this could be like good for me outside of work. So he went, we went out to the Wilmette golf club a couple of times. He played out of my bag and, you know, it was that kind of thing like that stiff foreign I was talking about earlier. Like, Uh, just a couple times he kind of like caught one clean and you could tell he felt it like that sort of like euphoria shoot up his arms. And he was like, I think I'm into this. So like uh, winter before last, he, you know, for a little Christmas present to himself, we went to Dick's together and he, uh, he got himself like one, you know, this like full set Tommy armor all the way. I helped him pick out, you know, it's two high, uh, two hybrids and a driver and, you know, and he bought a set in a bag. And, and so we've been playing like maybe one, twice a month together. The last two summers we'll go out. I'll take him, you know, he's come down to Ravislow with me on a new club time before if there's no, you know, we played out in Mount Prospect, we'll go to Wilmette. And um, we've been going to Shepherd's Crook a lot this summer, which is a really cool, nice, yeah. great. That's a great course. If you're a more experienced golfer and you're playing with somebody who's not, that's a great place that, cause it's hard enough that you're going to have some fun. And it's open enough that somebody who's new to golf can like, doesn't feel like they're just getting their, you know, buck kicked all day. Yeah. And, um, God, we yeah, need more it's just like been that. really, Those are the best. yeah. Right. Those are the best. And it was, um, it's just been really fun to see somebody get the bug and to like, really feel like you're helping. Cause you know, ever since I started playing golf, you too, I'm sure like the narrative was like, golf was dying. Golf was dying. Golf was dying too expensive. Takes too long, whatever. And so it's nice to see, like, as somebody who does, I truly do love golf so much, to see somebody actually coming into the game versus going out of the game has been um, really, really fun and satisfying. Yeah. My, my hiatus ended because of people that came into the game. It was four guys that I worked with. Three, sorry, three. I was the fourth. <laughs> uh, lovingly called the Wolfpack. Uh, nice. That they, they were getting the bug. You know, they grew up playing other sports. They yep. they knew golf. Their you know family played. They they maybe took, played a little bit, but they were other other sport athletes. Um, and they kept begging me to play because they knew that I played college golf, and and I was so out on golf at that time. But it was uh, it was that group and Sydney Maravitz at six thirty a.m. before work, uh, and and I just watched their enjoyment. 
and they're fun. Yeah. And, and th- I thought to myself, you know, I, I was chasing this game for most of my childhood and adolescence and into, uh, into semi-adulthood. And, and it was about, you know, performance and score. And, and these guys were having so much fun right. for a hundred different reasons. And it really just yeah. opened, opened it up to me that like, this game is so much more than that. It is, man. And it's been, it has been so nice. And like, I, and the nice thing for me that since I came back and this is there, I mean, you play competitive golf and stuff, but for me, um, it's been really nice. I have dropped, I think, cause we, growing up, I did, we had some buddies like our mutual buddy, Jeff Heisler, who is a really good golfer. I grew up around a lot of really good golfers and I was the best I ever was, was okay. Um, and I think at, when I the first go through in high school and college, I wanted to be good. I wanted to be a sub scratch golfer. I wanted to like put up lots of numbers. It started with a seven. I wanted to like, yeah, I, that, that was like something I really wanted. I, since I've come back, I have no illusion of that. Like that's, that's off the table. Like if I, if I shoot, I still love breaking 80. There's still some magic for me in writing down a number that starts with a seven like that, that I don't, and I don't think that will ever go away, but I'm not trying to be a great, great golfer anymore. Like I just want to be good for me. I want to play good within my, what I think I can do and dropping the need to feel like I'm like, as I said, like as a kid, I would be humiliated when I shot 101 in some stupid inner club tournament. Now it's like last week I went out, I played Flossmore, I shot 98 that course is so hard. It's the hardest course in the world as far as I'm concerned. But I'm like, I, like, I don't, it's not going to ruin my week anymore. You know, like I'm not going to like bow my head. So it, it's been, it's been easier for me in, in a lot of ways to enjoy, enjoy golf as an adult, like as a married guy who has a career and has a whole other world life in comedy. Like I, can, I, it's just so much more easier for me to enjoy golf now than it was when I was younger that's i think that's a good message that that the the 98 can be just as much fun as something that starts with a seven it might have not have that little bit of magic that you talk about no oh yeah it can be the same in terms of enjoyment absolutely man and that that's been such a revelation for me and new club has helped me so much with that part of it like enjoying playing with guys who i consistently enjoy so much and are just like good guys to be around whether I, and I don't feel judged. I don't feel like I'm annoying them when I play bad, you know, like that, that's really, really nice. Let's talk about match play. Uh, Now that you've alluded back to new club, because I think some people, um, I I mean, I've gotten the question myself where, you know, we are about just the enjoyment of a game, being outside the camaraderie, being with good people, sharing a great golf course, like all, all the other things. But then there's the element of competition that we still have there, which is, you know, encouraging a match. You, you grew up caddying for those gentlemen at Oakwood and, and they always played match play. Is that right? They, they pretty much always played match play of some, they had some kind of game going at all times. What did you like? How is match play different? Because we we already established kind of the you know the the failures of you know seventy nine good eighty one yeah. bad and 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 how there can be just a dead end in terms of you know your your relationship with golf if you just focus on score. But for totally. for for you focusing on a match because I've seen it right, you get into matches. Yeah, and, I do. And, and you're the best trash talker out there, you know, like <laughs> in a very polite and subtle, funny way. But you're you're fantastic at it. So what? It, why is match play different? 
So I, so what I like about match play and like, what I like about match play is it just makes you, it really brings some clarity and purpose to the, to every shot that you're playing. Like you, you do want to enjoy the course, but you don't just want to like sort of be totally, I mean, sometimes you do just kind of want to be out there drifting and just sort of like kind of slapping the ball around and enjoying the good walk. But a lot of times it's like, it, what, what's nice about match play is it just makes you feel like you're trying to bring out your best in every shot. You know, like you're, it, it dials you in to say, all right, slow down, think about, you know, think about which, where you want to, if there's a miss, which side are you missing on? And think about, it, it gives you like, it, it just, it really slows you down and, and tries to dial you in so that shots feel more purposeful and meaningful um and it does create a lot of like fun buzz in the group you know i mean it's just like the, the fact that there's nothing i like i was i love new club matches because like sometimes there's a little bit on the line usually there's nothing on the line besides club championship points some points but just like that i i just think that that little bit of tension introduces and the little bit of stakes introduces so much opportunity for conversation laughter yeah. joking um and so for me i love match play as long as everybody has a sense of humor about it you know i i think Look, i think i know well, you're you're a storyteller right you're you're a writer you, you uh-huh. tell great stories i mean for me i feel and i've i've said this before on the podcast that I have such a better recall of my round yep. if there's a match. And I will Absolutely. tell you, and, and I pay so much more attention to, um, it, it, maybe it's not good for my game, but I'm paying more attention to everybody else's game. Totally. It, it makes me more involved in like the whole experience of everybody. And, uh, and so I could recall every one of your shots before playing a match. Now, yeah, we right. if we weren't, I couldn't tell you, dude, I couldn't tell you. I really could. I had no idea where you were the whole hole. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no. And it just like, yeah, I just think it's like, I, I mean, I, I, and yeah, I, I just a big believer that like everything like kind of revolves around a little bit of tension. Like comedy certainly revolves around a little bit of tension. And so just that little bit of tension that a match, as long as it's friendly and everyone's like got in in perspective that we're we're none of us we're not qualifying for the U.S. Open here. Yeah, and yeah. you know, like then I think it, a match adds so much to the experience of the round. Yeah, I, I, I'm, obviously you're preaching the choir, but I, I think that's really cool the way that you the way that you handle it, right? The the level of competition, and I think I think you are correct in that the stakes have to be just a little and, and not yeah. not a lot, and everyone is at a comfortable point, but also right at certain elements in the, in the match, you're going to be a little uncomfortable. I, I love sure. it. I think, I think we, like, every time I feel a little bit of those nerves, I, it's like, Oh, this is why I play, you know, exactly, this, is, man. this is it. This is, this is yep. it. It makes you feel something. Um, back to, to comedy and, and writing. What, what's your, yep. uh, what do you enjoy more writing or performing? Um, you know, ultimately I enjoy writing more, I think, but it's, it's a harder labor and, so, um, so I've written and performed a lot of, of sketch comedy in Chicago. And as I've gotten older, they t- each show takes a little bit more out of me. The process of, you know, the writing, it's a lonely process. Um, and, you know, I, I try to hold myself to really high standards. And so 
it can be a it, it can be a pretty grueling process writing a show that you feel like all right this is funny this is my point of view this is all the about you know and then the process of you know kind of getting yourself off book and learning your lines and prepping for the show so as I've gotten older I have even though I ultimately I think that th that's more rewarding like you asked me earlier about like do I you know do I still feel that buzz? The only time I'd probably feel that buzz is if I like just performed a brand new written show for the first time and it went well. I still think I might have like a kind of sleepless buzzing night. But the toll it takes in me in terms of the anxiety and stress of the writing of the prep process as I gotten older has gotten harder and harder. So improv for me is like an amazing quick fix. Like I can roll into the show five minutes before I go on stage, go on stage. If I have a good one, I'll feel it great for the rest of the night and like go to bed happy. If I have a bad one, I shake it off. So it's just a great, easy outlet. And I do a ton of improv. Um, well, I did prior to COVID, but <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I can do that three nights a week when I'm in town and, um, and I get like the quick fix. So I'd say ultimately I enjoy, I find writing the high is higher for me with writing and performing, but in terms of where I'm at in my life, improv probably suits where I'm at a little better right now. And so I kind of gravitate that way. That's cool. If, um, <clears throat> if you, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think how to ask this. If you had to write a sketch, uh, for uh, characters on the PGA tour, uh, oh, or man. you were, you were playing the characters, who would be your core, uh, characters you'd, you'd go with? I'm trying to think like if I was going to do like an SNL five minute audition, they always, they like, and they were asking you to do imitations. And I had to try and do an imitation of somebody on the tour who would be the guy that I, that, that I find really funny. I mean, I like in some ways I actually think DJ could make like for an amazing, um, like I think DJ makes for an amazing comedic character. It's like, there's a video of him probably 10 years ago, he cut like a short video for golf digest where they were like, the video was like how to hit DJ's patented fade and, or how to hit DJ's patented cut. And I always remember. So he like, and so he calls through, it's like 90 seconds and he kind of like garbles through. He's like, I kind of grip it this way. And then I sort of do this thing up here and then I make sure I do this thing down. And then it ends with him looking dead eyed into the camera. And he goes, the key to hitting a cut is you got to cut it. And I'm like, to me, that is like high comedy is like somebody's key to hitting a cut is telling you that you've got to hit a cut. <laughs> like, what don't you understand? What that's like, just <laughs> if you're going to do one thing to hit a cut, it's make sure you cut it. Uh, I think that's so like, there's something about like DJ, the simplicity of DJ actually, I think makes for way more comedy. He wouldn't be somebody who I think most people would think of as a comedic character, but a lot of times a, a guy like that, who's got like a real simple characteristic that you can just zone, hone in on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, like actually easier to mind comedy out of than somebody who's like, seems more eccentric, like a Bryson or something. It's actually harder in my view to like get at the comedy piece of like a Bryson than it that's, is to get it like the comedy of DJ. That's interesting. I, I, I could, now you say that, uh, have you seen that Connor Moore guy who's doing the impersonations on? I have. Yeah. I, I, I've only seen what's on the internet, but, uh, I mean, he, he has good impersonations, but I, I'd like to see an all out sketch of these guys yeah. like interacting, like, you know, Bryson 
talking to the rules official about fire ants like that should be yeah right right you know, real real uh sketch comedy yeah like ricky looking up from his twitter or his instagram or something right 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 yeah. um the uh so right now i i want to ask about you know being a performer during covid how's everybody doing what are you guys doing is there like what's the community kind of the improv scene it's, doing yeah through it's, this? It, it's been pretty rough in all honesty so io which has been kind of our my comedic home for most of the last decade is closed for it, it seems permanently you know so um so that's out of business my as i said my wife's a performer at second city they're kind of shuttered right now so it's been, it's been, um, it's been a rough go here with COVID. Um, we're all sidelined and there's like sort of no, no real end in sight right now. So I think ultimately, hopefully it'll be like a good reset for the community and we'll kind of build back up and, you know, we're going to need to start a new theater here. Either somebody's going to have to take over the IO brand or, um, start something to kind of fill the void it's left. And I'm confident someone's going to do that, but, for the time being, yeah, you've got a lot of people out there who moved here to do this, who have performed, you know, three to six nights a week for a long time, who are all just kind of on the sidelines waiting it out. And so, I, yeah. as I told you at the beginning of this, before we got on the air, it's like I've been playing more golf than I've ever played in my life because I've suddenly got this uh, huge void in my schedule. Well, it's, it's nice that, you know, golf is there for folks. Uh, I think a variety of, of people have been – turning to golf uh, right now for these <laughs> because they have time because they need that something filled in their void. Um, but yep. it's terrible, man, to think that all these people that are, this is what they're most passionate about and they're not able to do it, not able to get in front of yep. stages. Uh, yeah. It's been heart, really heart rough. goes out to them. Yeah. Man. Do you think more people will, will hang it up because I know there's, you know, there, there's folks that have paid their dues have established themselves and, and, you know, kind of get by on the scene. But I know there's also like the, uh, the mini tour effect of, yep. uh, I remember thinking that like in those early classes I was yeah, in, there was these, right. you know, really ambitious people that, um, there's like a competitive element to it where they're going yeah. to try to make it to the next level and the next yep. level and, and make this their career. Do you, do you think as we're seeing on the web, the web tours or the mini tours right. that they are, um, a lot of well, people are just, up. yeah, they're hanging it up because they don't have the opportunity as much anymore. Yeah. I think for in Chicago, I think what it'll mean is a lot of people are going to move to the coasts, which is kind of a natural ending point for Chicago comedy is a lot of people like if you want to try and make a go of it, you got to move to New York or LA. Um, I obviously I always wanted to do this on the side. Um, but I think so I never really pursued that. Um, but I think a lot of people in Chicago will move to LA sooner than they probably otherwise would have. Because the beauty Chicago was like kind of the uh, the town for the love of the game comedy. Like, you know, you're not going to get famous doing comedy here, but you might put in place at second city or elsewhere, the foundation, like you're getting skills and stage time and you're doing really cool, ambitious conceptual comedy here. And that's got a lot of appeal for people as a training ground. So I think now with that not being here, there's going to be a lot of people who moved to LA sooner than they plan to. It, because they're like, well, LA is not artistically as fun a place to perform comedy, but it's, you know, there's a lot more professional opportunity there to make a go of it and try to get on a sitcom or write on a show or whatever that might be. So I think a lot of people are going to, um, are, are going to move up their timeline. So 
it's you know Chicago's probably been a little oversaturated in terms of comedy talent uh, because so many people have moved here in the it's kind of been the improv boom decade, and so it it might be good in some ways to right size ourselves a little, but it's it's rough, you know. And I'll definitely be saying goodbye to a lot of friends in the next year who moved to LA, but that's kind of natural course of life in Chicago comedy. Yeah. Well, just get the other ones into golf and then you get exactly, to see them more. And then, exactly. and then whatever. <laughs> uh, last question for you related to golf is, you know, we're in the dog days of summer. It's hot, yep. uh, but we're coming into September. I'm looking at the forecast. I am yep. licking my chops to play a little golf. What, uh, is there any golf courses or golf rounds coming up that you're looking forward yep. to? Um, well, uh, golf rounds. I mean, well, first of all, I'm really looking forward to our rumble. Um, Mullen and I are getting out there. Have not been down to Kankakee Elks, but just loving the idea of that 36 whole day. So really, really excited about that. I'm playing Flossmore on Saturday afternoon with uh, our buddy, John Ballou. That's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I, you know, like you and I have texted about, I want to try and get out in terms of courses. I want to get out of Beverly this year. That's the, that's the course that I'd love to get a look at. And so those are probably the three, but yeah, I'm really excited for the rumble that that's going to be so much fun. Yeah. That, the, that Langford and Moreau is just like, uh, and and we've had such little rain too. I just think it's going to, I think it's going to be playing really hard. I I love that rain. Unless we get some rain. I just, I think that course is going to be so much harder than people think. Um, I can't wait, but that's, that's, that's a good one. And as a kid that grew up caddying at a old Donald Ross, that doesn't exist. uh, Yeah. You got the Beverly country club did a phenomenal restoration. It is. I can't wait to see uh, it. It's unreal, man. So can't wait to see it. Well, dude, uh, Mr. Sheberger really enjoyed Mr. having Sheberger. you on the, on dude, the pod. thanks for having me. Yeah. This it has was, been a lot of fun. It was great catching up and, uh, yeah. looking forward to teeing it up real soon. I can't wait. Good talking to you, buddy. Thanks, man. This episode was brought to you by half day CBD. Personally, I started using half day CBD products a little more than a year ago to assist in three key areas. I use the half-day oils as part of my bedtime ritual. I like to use the half-day topical relief creams for my knees, which always start to ache around this time in the golf season. And I use the half-day CBD gummies as a way to curb some of my first tee jitters before an especially nervy match or tournament. Using the link in our show notes, you can now check out their full line of hemp-derived CBD products. And with the promo code NEWCLUB15, you'll receive an additional 15% off your first order. You'll also see some of the half-day staffers at our upcoming tournaments and events for the second half of the golf season. So if you're interested in the use of CBD products or just curious about the benefits for yourself, I encourage you to say hello and check them out.